0: From the Salvation Army, welcome to the Holiness Podcast with Lieutenant Colonel Vern Jewett. In this monthly Bible study, we'll be exploring God's gift of holiness, which is offered to every Christian. To download this month's study guide, visit us at salvationarmysoundcast.org slash holiness. Hi, this is Vern Jewett and the Holiness Podcast. We welcome you this month, and we have a very exciting subject for us to study. The subject this month is uh, God's enabling grace. And I want to take you back to that time when you just found the Lord and ask you to reflect with me a little bit on how God worked in your life up to that point. Now, our stories are all very different. For some, the experience of receiving Christ as their Savior is made as a supreme act of your will, giving ourselves to God in Christ, but without any particular drama of human circumstances. It may be the result of many years of considering and being Around Christians and hearing the gospel But we come to that point of decision Maybe without human drama On the other hand There are many of us I'll bet there are many listening today Whose decision was pretty dramatic And maybe grew out of a crisis of circumstances In your life Maybe you have a family member We have a member of our family who doesn't talk about being saved, but talks rather about being delivered from a way of life that she found unfulfilling and upsetting and dramatic. Well, from an eternal point of view, God is always taking the initiative in the drama of rescue whatever our circumstances. And we're going to see that God's enabling grace is the work of God's Holy Spirit. And usually the Holy Spirit enables us to recognize our need for salvation, both by prompting us individually in ways that sensitize us to God's presence and availability, but also sometimes by using other people in our lives. So let's talk a little bit about this teaching from the Bible on God's gracious enabling. Paul speaks of all men being dead in sin. Ephesians 2 describes that and teaches us that powerfully, that we are dead spiritually Unable to act on our own To reach out to God But you see God acts first Salvation Is completely The work of God For Charles Wesley And John Wesley Salvation Takes place From the first dawning Of grace in the soul Until it is consummated In glory and all of it is the work of God. So God supernaturally restores a measure of free will to man. We know this from many scriptures. The first one that comes to my mind is John 1.9, where it describes the word that enlightens every man that comes into the world. Titus 2.11 records, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Romans 2.4 Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? In each of these passages, we are told that God is working in our lives from the very beginning and prior to our accepting him as Savior. And then Philippians 2, 12 and 13, where it tells us to work out out our salvation, and we've talked about that before, but then tells us it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So we're talking today about a God who is always going before us and has always gone before us. There's a prayer. I don't remember it specifically, but I've heard many people pray it over the years. God, be ahead of us, be behind us, be above us, be below us, be before us and after us. That's a perfect description of the way God is always at work in our lives and going before us. Now, a simple, wonderful reality of the gospel is based upon this wonderful theological truth. Now, let me say a word about this. We usually don't get directly into theology, and we're going to do that into uh, systematic or formal theology. We're going to do that for just a moment uh, during this podcast. But I've heard many versions of this statement over my 50 years of ministry, people saying things like, well, I just love God and want to serve him. I don't really care about theology. I'm not a theologian. Well, I always stop for a moment and say, what is theology? The definition of it is knowledge of God. So, if you want to know and love and serve God, then yes, you are a theologian. In fact, that's one of the primary uh, purposes and experiences of your life. And so, we've been talking and introducing the idea of enabling grace, God coming to us beforehand always moving before us. Some of you undoubtedly have thought to yourselves, well, that sounds like another theological term, which I have heard, which is very important in the study of theology. And that term is prevenient grace. Now, let me say up front, God's enabling grace is God's prevenient grace. But that is a theological term, and it is a very important term when you consider the two great systems of theology in which the church rests today. Uh, One is Calvinism, the other is Arminianism, and one of the primary differences is in the definition of prevenient grace. Now, for John Wesley and uh, for Arminius, Prevenient, enabling grace was the first step. Wesley believed that grace went from prevenient grace to justifying grace, to sanctifying grace, to glorifying grace. And for Wesley, those are different ways of describing the work of the Spirit at various times in our lives. Not only is it called enabling and prevenient grace, but he referred to it as cooperating grace. So let me give you a definition. Prevenient or enabling grace is the work of God in a believer or a potential believer. We believe in every person between conception and conversion. In other words, it's the work of the Spirit in all of us prior to conversion. And we looked at some of the places where the Bible is very specific, in the New Testament particular, about how God is working in every believer's life and every person who is a potential believer. Wesley thought that the first from the first dawn of light, concerning God and his will, there was this tendency, this opening toward spiritual life. Now this is one of the stark differences between the two great theologies, and we mention it occasionally, because uh, Calvinism and Arminianism as theological systems look at holiness very differently. But today, I want to specifically mention the difference in terms of provenient or enabling grace. Calvinism believes and preserves the sovereignty of God in all of salvation, but does not allow for the freedom of human response. To state it simply, Calvin and most of the Reformed theologians and those who follow his teaching, spoke of provenient grace as that special grace which was limited and available only to the elect, those chosen by God, not to everyone. And, of course, it was irresistible. Wesley, on the other hand, spoke of provenient grace as a universal enabling grace that was available to all, and it was resistible. A couple wonderful descriptions of enabling or provenient grace come from uh, leaders in the church and scholars. The New Testament scholar from Great Britain, I. Howard Marshall, says that in every case, it is God who takes the initiative in salvation and calls men to him and works in their hearts by his Spirit. Salvation is never the result of human merit, nor can anybody be saved without first being called by God. Men cannot in any sense save themselves. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding about the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism uh, at this particular point. But Adam Clark, a great Wesleyan theologian, said, God gives the power to believe. Man uses the power thus given and brings glory to God. Without the power from God, no man can believe. With it, any man can. Now, this is a very practical doctrine and teaching which is why I've chosen to talk about it today. And we're going to mention three life lessons that are a tremendous sense of help when we understand them in terms of enabling grace in our own living uh, for Christ every day. But let me remind you of that wonderful teaching in the New Testament that tells us that God wants everyone to be saved. And this is where these great systems of theology come into uh, contrast with one another. Not just an elect few chosen by God, but everyone, Arminianism believes, can be saved. Let me remind you of 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. A little later in that same book, 1 Timothy 4.10, we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all men and especially of them who believe. A couple of comments from uh, leading theologians about this truth that kind of crystallize what enabling grace is, and then we're going to talk about these three practical life lessons. Thomas Oden, wonderful, prominent theologian today in uh, Wesleyan circles, he's a Methodist, says this, if God absolutely decrees that particular persons shall be saved and others damned, apart from any cooperation of human freedom, then God cannot in any sense intend that all shall be saved, as we just read in 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 and 4.10. The promise of glory, he said, is conditional on grace being received by faith, active in love. He writes that in his wonderful book, The Transforming Power of Grace. Another leading uh, Arminian theologian says it this way, speaking about the tension between Calvinism and Arminianism for John Wesley. For Wesley, he says, the gospel itself was at stake unless he could assure all who flocked to hear him that the Savior had died explicitly for them, and that they too might enter into life by repenting and trusting in the merits of Christ's death, then he felt he had no good news to announce. For Wesley, if the gospel was not for all, as we believe the New Testament teaches, then there was no good news. Well, How does this apply to our everyday living? I want to suggest three simple life lessons. The first is that God's enabling grace is at work in you all the time, preparing you for the ministry, for what God has for you to do. God's grace is active through his spirit and it is always going ahead of us. It's a wonderful thing. I've shared with many people over the years the lesson that in God's economy, today is always preparation for tomorrow. You see, he's investing in you. Have you thought about him that way? It's God reminding you of his love and his purpose, convicting you of your sin, warning you of the tempter, promising the presence if you'll obey, inviting and wooing us in the light. This is all the work of God the Holy Spirit. He never stops. His enabling grace is going ahead of us, before us, all the time. Well, I say he never stops, but do we stop listening? So first of all, God's enabling grace is constantly at work. He is preparing the way that should be comforting and exciting for us. The second life lesson is that God's enabling grace is at work in others, even at this moment, to prepare people for your ministry and to prepare them to minister to you. Prevenient grace is universal. The Spirit of God is always taking the initiative and in the salvation of all of those who will believe. And our task is simply to be faithful to those within our sphere of influence knowing that God has called us to a ministry of reconciliation. He's at work in others for our sake and in us for their sake. I've always liked uh, the story of Lydia. We encountered Lydia in Philippi in the last couple of studies as we looked at Paul's missionary journeys. And you may remember that Luke tells us In Acts 16, 14, the Lord opened Lydia's heart to respond to Paul's message. Another wonderful example of the prevenient, enabling grace of God already at work in Lydia, a dealer in purple, preparing her heart to receive the gospel of truth. It is good to know that our ministry is simply to move into the stream of God's already intercession where God is already at work. We're not in it alone. God, in effect, has delivered the whole world into the hands of the church. That should make us bold. Our God has always gone before us and is going before us now. I want to share a personal example of someone whom God used in my life to bring enabling grace. There was a retired Salvation Army officer whose life impacted mine. As a young adult, I was living in Lincoln, Nebraska, going to college. And as a part-time job, two days a week, I drove Major Tula Miller, who was a retired single uh, officer who lived in Lincoln on her collecting routes. Now, if you're familiar with the Salvation Army, you might know what that is, but for everyone listening, uh, early on, this was back in the mid-1960s, it was a challenge to raise the money for the ministry of the Salvation Army. And one of the ways it was raised was for usually women in full uniform, to take the Salvation Army periodical, the war cry, and go into bars and into uh, institutions and into shops of all kinds and sell the war cry. Really, they were asking for a donation and giving the war cry. Well, if you know anything about Nebraska, outside of Lincoln and Omaha, it is a rural state. And my job was to drive Major Tula Miller out into the rural areas around Lincoln. And we would go each of those two days for five or six hours. Many times we were going from one grain elevator to another because there were very few towns, but the grain elevators were the meeting places where the social interaction took place. Uh, In the midst of the corn and wheat and Milo fields of Nebraska, there would be these grain elevators with people always there, and I would pull up. She would get out and go in and greet everyone. I realized that this quiet, lovely woman labored in the quiet, non-public areas of Salvation Army. Ministry. She had been given appointments, many of them during her active service, where with women who were unmarried mothers, and she was appointed to minister at Salvation Army homes where they would come and have their babies and afterwards uh, often put them up for adoption. She was not a, a, a very public. Salvation Army officer, working behind the scenes. But Major Tula Miller, as I was with her, those days, many, many hours, had a powerful witness with her life, her faithfulness, her beautiful, open, affirming spirit. So let me get close to home for a minute. Where would you be in your spiritual life without the influence of that special saint, perhaps a mother or father, a neighbor, a godly man or a woman, down the street or in the church or a school teacher or pastor, used of God as a means of grace for the moving of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Where would you be? Would you have a saving relationship with Jesus were it not for others? You see, it's a wonderful life lesson that describes what is happening all the time. God's enabling grace is at work in others, even at this moment, to prepare people for your ministry and my ministry and to prepare us to minister to them. The third life lesson is kind of a conclusion to our study. Because God is already and always at work in our lives, it is our ministry as Christians to move into God's ongoing, already there intercession. This is a great truth that I think we all would say, yes, I believe that and I know that, but maybe it's not as conscious in our living as it should be. You and I can do what we do because of God's enabling grace. God has always gone before you and is going before you. There's a wonderful hymn out of the Wesleyan tradition that is sung in all churches, written by Charles Wesley. Uh, It's a famous Arminian hymn called, And Can It Be? Many of you will know that uh, people respond particularly to the third verse in the context of what we've been studying today of this wonderful hymn. These are the words. Charles Wesley says, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye. Diffused a quickening ray. I woke. The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed Thee. That's all about enabling provenient grace. The quickening ray, as Charles Wesley puts it, awakens the prisoner lying helpless in the dungeon of nature's night and breaks off his chains or her chains so that he or she can rise up and follow Christ. You see, there is no hint in Arminian theology of salvation that we are righteous by works. All good comes from the grace of God. God has always gone before and is going before. Now, the question is, will we act upon his leading? Back to where we began. Our lives are a story of God saving and rescuing us. That drama of rescue is ongoing in our lives and God is always taking the initiative. God's enabling grace is the work of his Holy Spirit and he enables us to recognize the need for our salvation. He prompts us individually He uses other people. He prepares us spiritually to affect the lives of other people. And it's our privilege and responsibility to respond to God's enabling grace, to have this awareness. Wouldn't it change our lives if we had this consuming awareness that God has gone before us today as I step through that door, as I meet that person. We never go alone and we never go unprepared because God goes before us. Well, that is the wonderful teaching of God's enabling or provenient grace. And theologically, in the big, Arena of theology and the systems of theology, the important part of that is that we are not saved by works. There is kind of a popular teaching and understanding uh, without much study, uh, I guarantee you, that uh, Calvinism is a system of thought that believes in predestination, and Arminianism is a system of thought that believes in man's free will, and that's simply how it is. And that that is not true. In fact, <laughs> it is an amazing thing how many Calvinists have a good understanding of God's free will with perhaps a different definition of it and how many Arminians Affirm. In fact, Arminius and Wesley and any prominent theologian in the Arminian tradition today would affirm that we believe in predestination as Arminians, but we define it differently. Where does it hit the road? Well, it struck me a few weeks ago that where it hits the road is our understanding of God's enabling and prevenient grace. Most historians would say that the greatest contribution of John Wesley, whose ministry resulted in the incredible revival during his time, both in England and in America, that the greatest contribution he made theologically was the teaching of God's enabling and provenient grace. I hope this has been encouragement and blessing to you. Remember, as you go about your life today, that you're not stepping into any situation or meeting anyone for whom God has not already paved the way and been active in preparation. His grace is indeed marvelous and wonderful. We'll look forward to sharing with you again next month on various topics related to the call of God to live holy lives, which we can do not by our own power, but it is a gift of God through the presence and power of God's Holy Spirit who lives in us. We'll look forward to seeing you next month, and until then, the Lord bless you and keep you. Thanks so much for listening, and we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, or prayer requests. Visit us at soundcastorg slash holiness. And if you're enjoying this Bible study, share it with a friend. They can subscribe wherever they get their podcasts.